0: Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. My name is Beko and my partner, Hari. How's it going? Um, this episode is uh, episode 36, I believe. And in this episode, we will be talking about this company called Wex. Uh, this company came to our attention because one of our listeners uh, suggested that we look into it. Uh, so, uh, so this week, we're going to cover Wex. So, before we do that, Hari, can you give us a disclaimer?
1: Yeah, this is the uh, Value Investor TV podcast. We are a podcast that helps you understand the concepts behind value investing. We are not financial advisors. We don't know your specific financial situation. So, um, if you are about to make financial decisions or with tax implications, please consult with the appropriate advisor.
0: Great. Um, Before we start uh, digging into this company, Let's just quickly make a few announcements regarding uh, the checklist and the Slack message. Uh, can you just walk us through that, really quick, Hari?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, when we talk about uh, a individual company, we actually look at that company with um, uh, through the lens of a checklist, and that checklist contains um, information about. Uh, you know, how to evaluate a business based on some basic principles, uh, what does the business do, moat, and so on. If you'd like to follow along with us, you can email us at info at valueinvestor.org, and uh, we'll happy to send you that checklist. Also, um, we have a Slack community where you can communicate with us directly, get your questions answered, um, or chat with anybody else who's on um uh, we have lots of people who are very active and they can help answer questions or point you towards resources um but uh it, either way we'd we'd welcome your listenership and anytime uh you have any questions, send us an email info at valueinvestor.org.
0: thank you ari um great so why don't we just dive right into it ari yeah. uh you know with uh with our checklist
1: yeah so the first uh question on the checklist is a pretty basic one so what is wex the company do
0: yeah so i would like to take uh, a quick moment to kind of walk you through what the company does um so off the bat let me just give you a quick uh definition of how they define it wex is a global leader in payment solutions that's how they define themselves in, in 10k uh so what does that actually mean uh they operate three different segments fleet travel and corporate, and lastly, healthcare. So fleet is one, travel and hor- corporate is second, and healthcare is the last. So what they do is, in basic terms, um, they are basically a payment uh, payment solution company for uh, for fleet management and corporation. So what that means materially is, let's say you're running a fleet. Uh, let's say you are running a fleet let us say you are distributor of let's say, I don't know, um, let's say this tea right here. Um, and you are supplying this tea to uh, different grocery stores, for example, Safeway. Uh, and you have to manage the distribution of these tea to these different locations. So you have to have a fleet, actual physical trucks that will carry this tea to the respective location. And so when you're managing a fleet, a big part of that is managing the fuel, uh, being able to maintain the business, doing regular updates. If, if part breaks down, you have to go fix it, things like that. And so when you, when you have these sort of, sort of you know, day-to-day problems, uh, you have to be able to pay for these things. There are obviously, you can use corporate cards. But the big problem with that is there is the opportunity, there is a threat rather of, uh, of misuse of corporate cards. Right? You can go out and, and use the corporate car for something else other than the core business. For example, you give out the corporate credit card to a driver and the driver might actually use the car to fuel up not the company's truck, but his own truck, for example. Uh, and so tight management of that is really the crux of UX's business. And so you enable this sort of tight control over the cost of maintaining fleet uh, that's the main fleet business. You have to travel in corporate in a very similar light. When you are booking travels or doing, you know, having any sort of expenses related to corporate, the tight control over that, uh, over that expense, uh, same kind of concept applies there, as well as healthcare. Um, uh, let me give you a quick, you know, a little bit more color on the company. Uh, they've been around since 1938, uh, so been around the business for about about 35 years. Uh, they are based out of Maine. Nineteen
1: eighty-three. Not sorry.
0: What did I say? <laughs> you said
1: thirty-eight, but thirty-eight. That would be impressive. Yeah,
0: <laughs> eighty-three, eighty-three. Uh, yes. Um, and they've been around the business for you know for thirty-five years. Uh, they have a global footprint, uh, based out of Maine, U.S., but they operate out of Europe, Australia, Canada, as well as New Zealand. Just a kind of high-level financial summary. As at the time of this recording, uh, the market cap is around $10 billion per share is around 120, 100, uh, sorry, 230. Uh, 2000, 2019 numbers, they booked $1.72 billion in revenue, gross uh, gross um, income of $385 million and net income of 150, $155 million. So I'll stop there and uh, we can dive into these different segments, uh, as we see fit, a uh, uh, down the checklist.
1: Okay. Um, so knowing that, you know, that, um, you know, the basic overview of this business, um, let's talk about what are the competitive advantages of a business such as this? Um, and how, you know, how does that competitive advantage, uh, fit into a particular category if there is one? Um, so yeah. So here are the uh we'll just go down the list um do they do you think that they have a brand uh competitive advantage
0: um so I would I would say so um I would say so so um, I think it's a weak one though uh, it's not a really a strong one um, if you if we do a quick thought experiment of if you're using Wex versus some other company do you base your decision based on the brand? Um I would say no. Um it wouldn't be a strong moat. It might be it, I mean there might be something there, but I don't think it's a strong one. Because at the end of the day, it's a payment solution. Uh, you know, it's a payment solution uh company and solution and uh as long as you get the job done, I don't think there is much there in terms of brand.
1: Um okay. Um let's talk about um network effects. So um, do you think that Wex has any network effects? And maybe we should define what that is if um, people don't know what it is first.
0: Uh, yeah, network effect is um, the value of the product itself goes up with more users using the product. I think a classic example that people use to illustrate this powerful note is Facebook. Um, if only two people are on Facebook, the value of the product is not really useful. It's not really compelling. But if the whole world is on Facebook, it becomes that much that much more competitive. Um, so that's kind of the the summary of that. With Wex, I think it's I think it's I don't think it's really a network effect. I I'm having a hard time kind of categorizing this. Uh, maybe I can get your help with this, Hari. Yep. So the the main I think I think couple really important thing. Uh, really important kind of uh, strategic uh, positioning that they have done with the fleet at least is um, they are accepted. Their their card is accepted at more than 90% 90, 90, uh, of fueling sites. And so when you want to use the card, just like you know we, we talked about in the visa episode, if you want to use a visa card, the merchants have to accept it, right? Yep. And so same way here, if WEX is not accepted at these gas stations or, car repair uh, shops, it's, it's useless. So they have, you know, they have, they've been around the block for about 35 years. So they have a lot of these relationships built out with fueling sites so that when you, as a customer, join WEX ecosystem, you now have ability to fuel at 90 plus sites or not 90 plus, uh, 90% of fueling sites. Well, Um, I
1: I think that's, that is a network effect moat. Um, You know, we, you know the the other thing is that merchants have now a an obligation to take it because if somebody pulls up with their 18 wheeler and you don't take their card well then they're gonna drive down to the next place and you lose business too right so mm-hmm. so there is a there is a benefit there for having um for both parties so the more people that take Wex the more people that are uh, more business will be attracted um you know to there uh, more people will bring their fleet or their corporate uh, business to them, um, so I think there is network effects there. But what what we don't know about this, and this is where you'd have to, is how strong that is, because network effects can be very very powerful if it if it um, crowds out any other uh, sources, right? So the other. Uh, thing that you know we haven't really talked about here is, you know, what are their competitors doing, right? You know, mm-hmm. if there are any competitors that you know offer the same service, you know, do they have similar penetration into the market? In which case, their network effect benefit may disappear.
0: Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the case with the current ecosystem. Um, unlike Visa or Mastercard, as we, as we talked about in the Visa episode, where you know you have this thousand-pound gorilla that is Visa, and then you have the Mastercard. And then you have, you know, American Express kind of on the side uh, where, you know, Visa is this dominant player. If you get on, uh, you basically have, you know, unlimited access to all these different merchants, um, you know, therefore a huge, very strong uh, network effect. In this case, I don't think it's as dominant as, as what you would see in, in Visa. And so that effect is a little um, is diminished. I would say substantially diminished in this world. Okay. Okay. Um,
1: OK, well, I, I mean, we can talk a little bit more as we go through this with with the network effect. But um, do you feel like um, once somebody signs up to WEX, um, is it hard for them to switch their corporate fleet into, you know, to a competitor? So what we call a switching cost moat.
0: Yeah, um, I would say there is some switching cost involved, Um and I would say uh, the reason why I would say that is because another kind of a key value proposition of using something like Wex is that it's what they what they call closed loop system. So what that what that means is when you are using Wex card, for example, think about that eighteen wheeler that you talked about, Hari, right? So a driver pulls up to a gas station. He pulls out Wex card. He punches he punches in the driver's ID number to get authorized to purchase the fuel uh, you have to put in uh, 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 the, the mileage you have to put in how much gas you're pumping all these different information that you gather at the point of at the point of sale goes goes directly into WEX uh, digital uh, ecosystem infrastructure and that information is available at the headquarter of the fleet headquarter right the fleet manager and so from that perspective if they build their processes around Wex and that that intelligence that they get using the closed loop system, there is some stickiness there that uh, that you might you might find hard to replace with other companies.
1: Yeah, so that that seems to be like a fairly solid moat for them, right? Um, <clears throat> you know, it, it's like a, you know Quicken or something like that, where you're you know QuickBooks, you know, one of these accounting services where you know, they're providing you a lot of data. They can give you reports. They can give you all of this stuff. You know, for you to migrate wholesale from one, you know, accounting software to another or one, you know, data analytics software to another will require significant, you know, training, require a lot of people. Um, you know, so I it, it does sound like there's a, you know, um, a switching cost there um, mm-hmm. that could be fairly substantial, you know, for, you know, for a, yeah. a, for a, a fleet, the, you know management uh, business yeah
0: I, I would say one more thing on that. Uh, I, I think we kind of hammered on the fleet segment, but we also have, as we mentioned up front, travel and corporate segment. And the idea is is as I mentioned earlier, it's very similar. And so they streamline uh, the procurement process to pay for things uh, such as the uh, you know corporate travel, entertainment spending, um, automated clearinghouse, virtual cards, uh, things of that sort that it really centralizes a travel and corporate expense for uh, the headquarter, the company, the back office, and so you know they've built around processes and and and, and uh, these analytics tools on top. It would be a, a big uh, you know stickiness there also.
1: Okay, so it it does sound like they've got it. An, any any comment about that with healthcare?
0: Yeah, uh, similar to healthcare. Um, um, you know, you, you know, you have you have uh, uh, you know they partner with employers, healthcare plans, third party administrators, uh, the payroll companies uh, to administer. For example, Cobra. Um, I think this is a good example uh, where they you know where uh, uh, they they come in and provide uh, Cobra administer Cobra. They also administer flex spending, um, health savings reimbursement accounts, all these other things that uh, that that is that is uh, kind of uh, I don't want to say bedrock, but kind of a really important piece in uh, managing companies. They provide these services to make these things very easy for the back office and the headquarter.
1: Okay. All right. Well, let's. We have a couple more moats here that we can talk about. Um, Low cost. Um, do you think that uh, Wex has a low cost advantage um, over any competitor?
0: I think if 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 at all, it'd be very minor. If I don't really have intelligence, honestly, on that specifically, okay, uh, whether they provide the lowest or not. Um, well, but I imagine it's going to be. It's if it is one. It's a. It's a. It's a minor one. Okay. Um
1: well they I I would imagine the company would call it out um like they cl- called out the closed loop and you know that kind of yeah. stuff. So Yeah. Uh same thing with intangible assets anything there that you see patents um copyright trademark software that you know that they you know trade secrets
0: No, not in that, not really in that, in that sense, Um, you know, I think maybe a good example of intangible assets like pharmaceutical companies where they have these, you know, patented, protected, government protected uh, effectively a monopoly into that particular molecule. Um, That's not the case here.
1: Okay. Um, All right. Let's move on from Moats to uh, talk about, uh, you know, what are the company's long-term prospects for growth um, and, you know, and uh, I'm sorry, long-term prospects and runway for growth. Uh.
0: Yeah. Um, maybe, you know, I could start with talking about this uh, string of acquisitions that they've made over the past five years and then give a little bit more context into the long-term prospects. So if you look at their newest 10K, they talk at length about all the acquisitions that they've made. Um, the one that I read in particular uh, starts with 2014, July 2014 with Evolution, going all the way up to 2019, January, uh, uh, acquiring Discovery Benefit. And so I'll just give you a really quick snapshot. This. So Discovery Benefit, January 2019, $425 million. Uh, 2018, Chevron's existing customer portfolio for about $223 million. Um, Noventis Electronic Payment Network focused on, focused on optimizing payment delivery for bills and invoices for commercial entity 310 million uh, AOC, EFS, Veneasense, UNIK Evolution um, and it's nicely spread out in terms of the business segments there, so there's quite a bit in the healthcare space Administering Cobra Healthcare premium billing, uh, Evolution, Benefense. Um, there is uh, Employee Benefit Administrator, the most recent acquisition, Discovery Benefit, um, and so on. So, uh, you know, they've been they've been really on a on a shopping spree, uh, if you will, over the past five, five years to really uh, increase um, increase their their footprint. Um, so. Uh just kind of a background on that um, and we can talk about you know how they finance it and what the debt level looks like uh in, the, in the next in the next in the next question um, but if you look at the revenue growth for the for the for the past three years five years ten years you're looking at about fourteen percent growth but if you look at the if you look at the net income growth it's about it's kind of skewed, uh, 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 on the higher end more recently. Um, but overall it's been about, I would say on average about 10, you know, somewhere around five to 10% on average in terms of net income growth. And if you look at free cash, free cash flow growth, it's been about for the past four years, about 7% growth. Um, and so all that to say, it is growing, but some of these growth is coming from uh, acquisitions string of acquisitions that they've made, and there is some questions around uh, the financial health of the company and the um, the return on the capital that they've deployed to be able to pay for these for these debt um, yeah okay
1: <clears throat> so you know looking at that uh, and you know what we've talked about so far um. You know we we kind of get to a point where we look at um the reinvestment into the business you know in in order to continue the growth um and so the way that we see that is uh you know does the company require a lot of capital reinvestment to maintain its business and can it grow without further reinvestment
0: um yeah so you know um Maybe take, taking taking a step back from that question and talk and just looking at the baseline EBIT, uh, you know, operating profitability ratio and comparing that to other companies. So, right now, uh, the most recent uh, year, uh, Wex uh, have delivered about twenty two percent blended blended rate, including all you know, including all the three different segments of about twenty two percent operating income, operating profitability. Um, if you compare that to Visa, which, which is sitting at around 50, and then direct competitor, Fleet Corps, uh, they're sitting at about 46%. Uh, and if you break out the operating income by three different segments, Fleet, Travel Corporate, and Healthcare, it tells a more interesting picture. So Fleet is standing at around 36%, uh, Travel Corporate, 34%, and Healthcare... At around three percent. So you see a, a you know a huge difference between the first two and then the healthcare segment, which is just teetering at around three percent, three to four percent in terms of operating uh operating margin.
1: Which is pretty lousy, and really.
0: It's 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 very lousy. And if you actually look at the trend of what that looks like, uh so starting from twenty fifteen, so that's when uh kind of big acquisition after big acquisition happened in 2014 in terms of the healthcare space it started at around 7.5 percent um, operating uh, margin and it stayed around there eight percent it went up to eight percent in 2016 2017 it starts to dip to six and then in 2018 it went down to what, what we just told you uh 3.4 percent so it's uh, it's uh, not only is it is it lousy. It's on the it's a it's on a downward trajectory, which is uh, you know, which is of concern.
1: Okay. Well, so yeah,
0: okay. go ahead, Ari.
1: Yeah, th- just looking at that though, is there anything that you can see from reading the report to say why? Well, to answer two questions: Why is their operating margin lower than fleet corps even in the? Direct com- competition line, you know, of the fleet management, you know, fleet corps is forty six, they're thirty six, and then the second question, uh, well, let's let's talk about that one first. Any any answer for why fleet corps is so much more uh, profitable?
0: Yeah, I think um, I think that's a complicated. I think it's a complicated question. You, I think we can break it out into several parts, but one that I've noticed, uh, the one that I've noticed, that's been kind of a glaring um sign for me is if you look at the interest payment per revenue, mm-hmm. you're talking about about seven percent. Now see so doing at eight to seven eight to eight to eight to seven percent. It went up to about eleven percent in twenty sixteen um of revenue going towards interest payment. Um and now this is you know this is this is not this is not part of the EBIT, but I think this is an important one to mention. Um, that the interest payment is is uh, is now a substantial part of uh, what what goes out as an expense for this company.
1: Um, yeah. Okay, and then let's look at um, the healthcare segment. You know, um, any idea why it's been trending downward? Have they talked about that in the annual report?
0: Uh, not so much. Um, not so much. I think this was something that I had to dig dig in to really find out. Okay. Um, and so I there wasn't anything that management really explicitly uh you know wrote out in the annual report. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this uh, in the next episode, but I imagine uh, the uh, management incentive is at play here. Um, we'll talk about that in the next, in the next episode in ter- in terms of the uh you know the management incentive structure what they're incentivized for uh things like that um I, i'm sure some of that is at play here
1: <clears throat> okay uh let's let's move on and uh one more question before we uh end the episode um uh looking at the relationships that the company has with uh various parties um do you see any red flags with any of these so the customers um, would be the first relationship is there any red flags or any uh, problems with their relationships with customers or does any one customer present a, a large percentage of their revenue
0: yeah I think you'd nailed it uh, the latter um, I think I don't think it's a it's as skewed as some 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 companies that I've seen in the past mm-hmm. for example some companies that I've seen in the past you know like a great like good majority comes from one single customer i mean that's a bad sign right there yep it's not as bad but uh top 5 customers account for 13% of revenue okay so it's not bad but it is something to keep an eye on
1: okay um any issues that you see with suppliers employees or regulators
0: not so much uh in terms of suppliers i think this question really more applies to more manufacturing Um, kind of space so not really here in terms of employee regulator community nothing really outstanding Uh, one thing i will say about regulators is that they have mentioned in the annual report especially in europe um, they're getting scrutinized i guess not just them but the entire industry financial services industry Um, they're getting scrutinized for the fees that they charge Okay, um, so that's something to keep in mind and there might be some sort of downward pressure in terms of how much money they can charge um, because regulars are, cr- are- cracking down on them
1: okay well um I think that's that's a good place for us to stop um you know and in the next episode we'll be talking about more about uh the management structure, the valuation of the business um, you know and it's uh, uh you know, cash flow and so on. So, you know, anything else that you want to add about this uh, company before we uh, we move on, Becco? Uh,
0: not particularly to this company, but I will say, just you know, as a value investor, I think one of the joy of being a value investor is that you get to understand these companies, understand these industries, right? Yep. Like before, I looked at this company. Full disclosure: I am a total novice into this industry. Like, I had no idea this sort of industry existed. I used cards something like this when I drove. Um, what's that company? Zipcar. Like, Zipcar has something quite similar where you, when you're part of the member of Zip, like Zipcar community, you can get on these cars and they, fuel is, is included in that membership. Mm. And because of that, they give you a little card where you can use that card to uh, fuel your uh, your rented vehicle uh, so I've, I've, I have some familiarity with this but nothing like I have um, now uh, having having uh, analyzed this company so I' would make one comment on that and the other comment I would I would make is just the the breath and the death of the American capitalist capitalism and, and the market I mean we're talking about a company that's 110 billion dollars. In market cap over ten billion dollars. Market cap, and you know, I am sitting here in San Francisco. Hari, you're in in Houston, um, and these are sort of you know major economic centers. In San Francisco, there's a lot of tech companies. In Houston, a lot of oil and gas companies. Um, but like you know, this company is based out of Maine. They have ten billion dollar market cap. Imagine just the entire continental U.S. Imagine how many of these companies are, there are. I mean, yep. To me, that's just pretty astounding. Just to be you know just to just to know that these companies are available to 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 understand and potentially to invest in.
1: Yeah. Um it is pretty amazing to think about sometimes cuz you don't really realize how much of, you know, this company, you know, the the tea that you're drinking or the food that you're eating um is probably managed by their payment is pro- uh, fleet management is done by a company like this. So Um, How many things affect you on a daily basis that uh, you have no idea about? So yeah, okay, pretty astounding. Well, let's uh, let's uh, call it a day there, and then we'll see you guys on the next episode.
0: Thanks, guys. All right, thanks.